I dedicate the coming week to you. Thank you for loving me with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Inspire me this week to love, to love you more and with all of you. Thank you, Jesus, for your faithful and sacrificial friendship. Help me this week to be faithful and sacrificial, a friend just like you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for listening to my many thoughts and words and dreams. Still my soul this week to listen much more carefully to yours. May this day bring Sabbath rest to my heart and my home. May God's image in me be restored and my imagination <coughs> in God be restored. May the gravity of material things be lightened and the relativity of time slow down. May I know grace to embrace my own finite smallness in the arms of God's infinite greatness. And may God's word feed me and his Holy Spirit lead me into the week and into the life to come. Amen. So Jesus, we just gonna stand before you today, knowing that uh, you were there way before all this, and that we can trust in you, that we are loved, that we are family, and that we're pilgrims on this journey together, and we're traveling commands. And this uh, one offer you. The road ahead, which is really only ever one step at a time, one day at a time, one moment at a time, one interaction at a time. That's what community means. So, Father, I just want to pray for Eden as you can speak to us this morning. But I thank you for all the things we can say in our heart this morning to scan, uh, all the words that you've given them. To describe things that go beyond words that they can try to describe. Go I thank you for her. Thank you for her stepping into the bridge to do this thing with us. You know, we're just so grateful for you and all you. For those on the Zoom, I'm just going to do a little panoramic for you. Because I want you to get an idea of what our space looks like. So hopefully I can do this without totally mucking things up. You can see all the windows. Uh, and all those lovely people out there. And more windows. Awesome. And now we have to look at my mug for a little while. I don't know if I'm setting this up right. We'll see. I don't actually mind if I don't have the genre. <laughs> I want to assure you, Steve, that we were singing, and it reminded me that, you know, we've made do in this last year and a half, but we're not meant to be soloists. 
And it was so encouraging to hear voices behind and coming forward. And um, that's what that's what community is about. And it's so relevant to hear. Um, I'm very thrilled to be able to see your eyeballs this morning. And you're watching this patch. It's really lovely. Thanks for joining us, and thank you to Zoom for also joining us. We're really glad that we've been able to honor um, the connecting points that are required to keep people uh, waiting over in other places together with us. And um, we're thrilled that you're still joining us. <coughs> I don't know who wore this mask this morning, but something's kicking back in my throat. And it was me. Um, most of you will know that Brad and I became grandparents again this summer and have our grandson Felix and his parents here in our home for three weeks at the end of the summer. It was such an amazing time together. There was Nothing, but there is nothing like having a baby in the house to just disrupt everything about how we do things in the world. Both rather felt it. This desire to drop things that were important to do what was needed. And honestly, it was equally lovely whether we were holding that little body or changing a diaper. And our motivation was love. God got love for our new little grandson and a deep love and compassion for our weary kids. Every morning at about 6 a.m., Stephen would bring Felix upstairs to us. We were up and waiting for those little sounds that would announce he was being changed and then hustled up the stairs to us. The moment that little face came around the corner and into our bedroom, my heart would fill up and it would fill up with all kinds of love. And it was consumed. Those early hours of our days with Felix were the sweetest we have had in a long time. Our love for our kids has had to be demonstrated in all kinds of ways over time. We have been tough in our love. We have been patient in our love. We have cheered them on in our love. And we have co-suffered with them too. The love God calls us to demonstrate is multi-layered and complicated action. It morphs into different shapes and forms and it intensifies over time instead of diminishing. But it's pretty easy to love a baby that has soft skin and makes sweet noise and smells wonderful and snuggles up against you and falls asleep in your arms. And in those moments, you remember that the six foot eight man across the room was a baby just like that. And you remember all the times he ran to you as if you were the only person on this earth who could possibly ease his pain. And when you listen to your grown-up baby sign, uh, singing to his newborn, 
and you sigh with the delight of watching him thriving as a dad. Loving your own is pretty easy. Not always, but in general, we are bent toward loving those in our family. But Jesus has called us to something more challenging and radical than just loving your own. He calls us to a faith that expresses itself in love. I want to read a passage um, by an author named Valerie Carr from the book See No Stranger, a memoir and manifesto of revolutionary love. This is the quote. Love is more than a feeling. Love is a form of sweet labor. Fierce, bloody, imperfect, and life-giving. A choice we make over and over again. <clears throat> if love is sweet labor, love can be taught, modeled in practice. This labor engages all our emotions. Joy is the gift of love. Of love. Grief is the price of love. Anger is the force that protects that which is loved. And when we think we have reached our limit, wonder is the act that returns us to love. Brian McLaren has a book out called Faith After Doubt. And for all of us who have experienced some form of faith renovation, I would encourage you to consider having a listening and buying the book. In this chapter on faith, beliefs, and revolutionary love, he cautiously suggests a slogan that summarizes his message in the book. Faith before doubt is about correct beliefs. Faith after doubt is about revolutionary love. One more quote. Alan Watts in The Wisdom of Insecurity defines faith as the unreserved opening of your mind to the truth, whatever it may turn out to be. Faith is a refusal to reduce truth to what we already understand, while beliefs are ideas we cling to because we wish they were true or we want them to be true. So my summary of that is, beliefs shoehorn our hopes and our wishes into the cramped and tiny shoes of what we know and understand. It's small. Faith is open to the truth, while our beliefs are limited to our understanding. So if our faith is to be expressed in love, and faith is meant to be unreserved, then might we come to understand that faith expressed in love is much broader, wider, deeper, and higher than we may have known in the past. There's another challenge to the expressions of faith through love. There's the challenge to love our enemies. Personally, I struggle to call anyone my enemy. But Jesus uses that term, and it seems important to acknowledge that we might actually have people in our lives that oppose us, that wish us harm, and that curse us. 
and my calling to stay safe, we can also be assured of the way that Jesus has asked us to treat them, specifically to love them, to pray for them, and to bless them. Uh, Matthew 5, 43, you will not find this version anymore because I just made it my own. <laughs> Sorry, Lord. <laughs> you have heard, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. But Jesus says there's more. Love your enemies, pray for those who hurt you. Papa's sun shines on good and evil people. Creator, uh, creator's rain comes down on all of us. If you only love those who love you, what's the point? Even bullies can do that. If you only acknowledge your own, you might as well be getting secret handshakes and making fun of things. So how does that work? Loving your enemy. I'll tell you a little story. Recently, I'm sure it was next week, someone I love and related to started posting upsetting things on their Instagram. That's the only social media I have, so um, it's a pretty narrow little window. And to be clear, I don't equate someone I disagree with to being my enemy, but I do find language that is harmful and hateful of others to be very upset. So in this instance, I was not the target. They were not coming after me, but I was upset by the message. I thought I would write them a note and shed some light so that they could see the truth and the story that I see. And I took some time to carefully craft my words to be as pointed and clear as possible. Before I sent it, I read it to Brad. And he suggested I not send it. <laughs> <laughs> he was suggesting that it probably would not have the outcome I was looking for. And I agreed and I deleted my message. But then what was I supposed to do with my upsetness? How could I come to a place of peace? So I asked Jesus, what do I do with this? And this is what I heard. Use those offensive and upsetting posts as a call to bring them home. Interesting. So I'm gonna I'm being asked to take something that smells like fertilizer and put it in my garden so that something beautiful might grow in my heart. I think that's what Jesus was asking me to do. If we acknowledge that someone is our enemy that they are hurting or harming us, or they might even be opposed to us or what we believe, then we can acknowledge them as an enemy. And then we also know exactly what Jesus expects us to do. So I will be praying for this family, that their young children will be safe in school, that mom and dad is safe healthy, and I will pray and move them up towards them. Because that is what Jesus has told us to do. So let's love well. Love yourself. Love your family. Love your neighbors. Love those you don't agree with. Or those you don't understand. Or those that make you feel uncomfortable. 
or even those that they never met. Just challenge yourself to keep loving, to keep moving towards them in an active love. Our faith expressed in them is exactly what this world needs right now. I think Jesus is taking the caveats out of our version of love. Many of us have grown up in faith communities where love had conditions. You had to be obedient, you had to attend church, you had to give money, you had to believe certain things, you had to dress a certain way, you were required to exhibit certain spiritual gifts in our life. Meanwhile, we're simply being asked to love, like Jesus loves, like Father loves, like Holy Spirit loves. Why have we been fixated on diminishing God's love when it is expressly described and demonstrated to be ever growing and all inclusive? So, where do we see Jesus demonstrating love? <clears throat> How about the most glorious and painful moments of his life as he hung on the cross and forgave us for everything? In that moment, he was setting himself aside and he was loving us and offering us exactly what we needed. He also demonstrated in how he stepped over political, religious, racial, and gender barriers to demonstrate what God's love was. And even as he rattled some cages as he moved in love, he was lovingly demonstrating what love really was. Jesus demonstrated love by coming alongside those who were blind, diseased, lame, those advocated or ashamed and helpless. <clears throat> How do we live love in this community? This faith community has used this COVID pause to take a good look at how we express our faith and ultimately how we show our love. I sat down with several of you um, or connected with you on the phone or FaceTime to listen to your thoughts. And I want you all to know just how proud I am of your willingness to consider new ways to expanding the table and your vulnerability in considering your own fears and concerns. I can say without a shadow of a doubt that the impetus for this movement by this body to open our doors, quite literally this morning, um, to make space for those of our neighbors that we once marginalized has been entirely that of love. Not the easy kind of love that comes with holy weight, but the mature and long-suffering love that we have for our young children and for those significant relationships that we have walked many lives with. This love that we are expressing is a sober love that understands that making space for others can cost us, but it is a cost we are willing to pay. It is a love that reaches further than our understanding and takes the time to look into the eyes of our neighbor and the strangers to see our common humanity and extend God's extravagant love. 
We express our faith through love collectively. When we lay down the judge's gavel and instead use the keys of love we have been given to open the jail cells that the church has been locking for over centuries. We demonstrate our community's love by setting aside our own agendas to convert people to our way of thinking and beliefs. The bridge demonstrates love when we give up our own chairs in order to give someone else a seat at the table. We show love when we listen to a person in the exact place they are in and accept and hold back those feelings. How do we grow love in ourselves? In John 6, we find one of the stories of a miraculous thousands by Jesus. A young boy has clearly been sitting close enough to Jesus to overhear the concern Jesus has for the crowd's hunger. <clears throat> young boy brings up the lunch he had brought. Five small barley loaves, homemade buns, and two small fish, and offers them to Jesus. This offering is the love that feeds the multitude gathered. Our Western culture is steeped in the idea that freedom is our highest value. That means that if anything impedes my freedom to do something or not do something, I don't have to consider what's fair for the next person. And that's a big problem. What this story reveals is that love is a far higher and more potent value than freedom. This young boy had every reason to keep that lunch for himself. He brought it. Likely his mom packed it for him. And he really was under no obligation to share it. But he did. And this is where we can see the power of, of what love can do that far exceeds our freedoms. Whether you believe that this single lunch was multiplied to feed thousands of people, or that it released others to also share their food, quite possibly both, I think it's equally miraculous. Our society is quite focused on preserving our own piece of the social pie. I want to keep my pun, I want to keep mine, you want to keep what's yours, they want to keep what's theirs. If freedom is the highest value, then I will fight to preserve my peace. <clears throat> but if love is the highest value, then I will share my peace of pie with those who don't have a peace or have a demon. And in that mix of our willingness to set our own rights and freedoms to the side, to move in love as the expression of our faith, something miraculous happens. Jesus multiplies what we offer in order to feed and love far more than we ourselves can do with our limited capacity to love. And so I want to challenge you. If you are vulnerable to claiming rights and freedoms, consider claiming them for someone else. If you find yourself defending your piece of the path, find someone to share with. 
If you regularly find a gavel in your hand and you like to wrap it on the bench and lay your judgments, please lay it down. Then have the keys of love that will free those that have been locked in. We really want to demonstrate the truth. Then we will express that truth, that faith in love. We will make space for more, offer what we have, and embrace those who have been out on the margins. It is only in our expressions of love that we will be free and will bring free, uh, freedom to others. Let's pray. Jesus, you have called us to love, to demonstrate and express it to those around us. Open our eyes and see what we might have to give. To move in love as we share. And give us hearts that watch you expand our offerings of love. Give us eyes to see those who don't have a piece of the pie. Give us the will to share what we have and to make space for others. Amen.